Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Leprous pitch. Acker swings and gets one through the right side into right field. It's a base hit. Anderson scores. Here comes Chick to score. And the Huskers have taken the lead. It's another two-run single off the bat of Joe Acker. And it's 7-5 Nebraska. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are back for another edition of Sports Nightly. Thank you so much for spending some of your evening with us here tonight. We are honored that you chose to dial us up. We hope to keep you entertained and informed over the next three hours. Got a great show lined up for you. Parker Gabriel, one of our favorites from the Lincoln Journal Star, will be with us here in a couple of minutes. He's been all over this June 1st opening, particularly for Husker football, for the floodgates, for coaches to go out, see prospective student-athletes, and for prospective student-athletes to come on campus. Um, so Parker's been tracking it all down. We'll get his take on what's been going on and what will be going on in the coming days and weeks for Husker football. Looking forward to that chat with Parker coming up here in a couple of minutes. Hour number two, we're going to catch up with Robbie Paukert, former Husker pitcher who was a big part of that 2019 team that had that great run at TD Ameritrade in the Big Ten tournament all the way to the championship game. And then he was down with the team in Oklahoma City when the Huskers beat UConn in day one and then had Oklahoma State on the ropes before the two-out, two-strike home run in the top of the ninth wiped out a Husker lead to the Cowboys of Oklahoma State. Uh, we'll, we'll go down some painful memory lane with, with Robbie coming up in the second hour of the program. Also, Wednesday night means it's Lane Grindle's night. Our Major League Baseball insider will join us from Milwaukee on off day for the crew. So uh, we'll see what Lane's up to today and some of his thoughts about the baseball season as we've already flipped our way into June. They are at the one-third mark of the Major League Baseball season. How about that? Most teams have played right around 50 games at this point in time, and so the one-third poll has already been achieved in this year's Major League Baseball season. We'll talk about that with Lane as well. Third hour of the program. Hey, it's Wednesday. That means it's buy-sell. Can't wait to get into last week's answers and this week's questions from all the guys. Looking forward to diving into that in the top of hour number three. And as always, it's your show here in the numbers, 531-500-4686. That's the number if you want to dot us up on our Sports Nightly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Husker Baseball left earlier today to bust down to Fayetteville. They're probably still a couple of hours out from getting into Fayetteville and checking in. They'll have a practice session at Baum Stadium on the Arkansas campus tomorrow, and then there'll be a little media session with them as well as they get ready for the Friday night matchup with Northeastern at 7 o'clock. Ben and I are headed that way tomorrow, so we're a day behind the boys. That's kind of normal. We usually go in and just we don't need to get there quite as early as they do. But, uh, Ben, we did learn today both teams have named their starting pitcher for Friday night's game. The Huskers will stay with their, their standard rotation of Kate Povich on Friday night. So he will get the ball in the first game of the regional. And Sebastian Keene, a freshman pitcher for Northeastern, will pitch for them in this matchup for the for the Howland Huskies. Uh, your thoughts about the pitching matchup? Surprised at all? Maybe a little bit with Keene going for Northeastern? 
Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, I think the the thought maybe would would be that their ace Schlittler would pitch against the Huskers, but you know, doing more stuff on them today. He pitched twice last weekend. I mean, he he uh, he came back and uh, started the championship game. I I think he threw something like 150 pitches last weekend. So I think they're trying to number one give him an extra day's rest, uh, but number two, both of those guys are going to have to pitch anyway, um, and you don't get points for getting second place in a regional so I think the thought behind it is you know let's go with Keen who you know I think if you know terms of upside before the year Keen probably had more of that he was an 11th round draft pick out of high school uh from you know the Boston Celtics in the 2019 draft that that's that's a pretty it's <laughs> a pretty big draft pick to still stick at school at Northeastern but anyway you know he's he's had a good year and I think the thought is okay well you know we're either having Schlittler pitch you know to get in the driver's seat with a win over Nebraska or we're having Schlittler pitch with our season on the line and I think both circumstances um, coach Glavin's comfortable with and you know I think you look at their starting pitching numbers between all four of their starters and you're splitting hairs on the stats so I think for him it was more of you know the rest factor and maybe just trying to set yourself up you know with the potential of winning a regional doing it this way about nebraska's decision not surprised there are you no i'm not especially hearing coach bolt um talk you know after the selection show on monday that you know cade's been our friday night guy and i don't really see a need to change that up and i think all you have to do is look at northeastern's offensive numbers this year to know that that's probably the right decision um, you know, typically, you know, this, you know, whenever Nebraska makes a regional, the first thing I do is go pull up the statistics of the team that they're playing against. And usually there's one or two things that stick out. You know, either they're a pitching-led team or an offensive-led team where they hit a lot of home runs or they steal a lot of bases. I really had to do a double-take when I looked at Northeastern's numbers to make sure, <laughs> sure that they were real. Um, they hit a bunch of home runs. They hit 12 home runs in their five-game conference tournament last weekend. They had one kid hit five of them. They have the all-time season record holder, uh, single season record holder for home runs on their team this year. Guy has 21 home runs. They've stolen 119 bases as a team. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, Ooh. well, uh, I want somebody that's competent on the mound going against these guys. And then they actually even provided us with splits, which is super rare. I don't think I've ever seen an opposing team willingly put split statistics for uh, you know to be available greg they hit left-handed pitchers at a 320 clip as a team <laughs> you just don't see that i mean you've got guys on their team that are hitting over 400 against left-handed pitchers this year Ooh. and and it's scary it's definitely scary but i trust 33 out there on the mound and you know if i were the coaches and i saw that and you know the limited video and scouting reports that i have i want my best guy on the mound against this team yeah, they can swing it, and it brings back memories of that UConn team that we saw in Oklahoma City in 2019 that their numbers weren't daunting at all, and yet they got to Oklahoma City, and nobody could get them out. This wasn't the Huskers. that Nobody could get those guys out. I mean, they put up a ton of runs against Oklahoma State even on the as they came back around to the loser's bracket after they lost the opener to Nebraska on that Friday. They just were on fire. So it kind of depends on when you when you get to somebody. Are they in a good move, groove offensively? Have they been slumping a little bit later? And, and that's why you feel good about Nebraska, right? Because they've won 10 of their last 11. You feel like Nebraska's playing some of their best baseball of the year right now. 
Yeah, I, I, I feel confident. And, and, and look, the thing is, Nebraska hasn't cared about any of that stuff. You know, like we've seen phenomenal pitching in this conference. Nebraska's last, I would say, six of the last seven starters that Nebraska's seen have been better than regional, regional caliber arms. And I think you would agree with that when you, when you talk about yep. Hadger and you talk about uh, McCade Brown and you talk about Tommy Summer, um, you know, these are these are Lon's way. These are Seth Lawn. These are bona fide regional draftable arms that Nebraska's yep. seen, and so I don't think Nebraska really much cares. You know what Northeastern hits as a team, or what ERA uh, they have, or or that you know they don't walk anybody. The, all of their pitchers a tremendous walk to strikeout ratios. The, mo, the the opponents are hitting two twenty against them. You know there there are a lot of things to look at that that would scare you but you have to look at it from this perspective too there isn't a bad baseball team in this field right I mean every one of the 64 teams is in here for a reason now if you were to rank them out one to 62 is there a gap between one one and six you know one in the and the and the at the end probably I think there is a gap especially you know the top five especially the number one seed with Arkansas and kind of everybody else but I don't think the gap is that is that wide? And so you have to take every team seriously. And you and I, Greg, have been through this the hard way when we were out in Corvallis taking on Yale and Holy Cross. If you're not, you know, showing up ready to play and expecting an absolute dogfight from the team in the dugout, whether that be a Clemson or an Oklahoma State or whether it be a Yale, a Holy Cross, or a Western Carolina, you're going to get beat. And so I think that's kind of the mantra and the mentality of this team down there. And you know, if, if nothing else, the coaches are sending a message going, hey, we're rolling our ace out against these guys. So this isn't a team that you can just go out there and expect to beat. So I I think the team's in the right mindset. I think there's enough guys on this team that were a part of 2019's regional to where they're not kind of backing their way into this and expecting to just beat Northeastern 15-1, to as great as that would be if that happened. Um, I think they're just going to go there and just continue to play baseball and play it, play it as hard as they can, and hopefully good things happen. Our other main story, Austin had it in the ticker. Nebraska did announce today that they're going to open up four camps this month for fans to come in and and watch. They're going to be free. The first one is this Friday. Uh, It will be from 6 to 8. Gates are going to open at 5. They're only going to open uh, gate 3 on the southwest corner. You'll need to sit in the west stands, which is fine because you'll be in the shade by that time of the day. Uh, this is a Friday Night Lights camp this Friday, and then again on the 18th of June. They'll also have it open for the 7-on-7 seven seven camp on the 13th. That's that's not a Friday. Uh, and then the Adidas Pipeline camp, which is on the 19th, that's a Saturday. So you've got a Sunday, two Fridays, a Sunday, and a Saturday camp that they're going to be opening these up. The Pipeline camp is a daytime camp. Uh, you can go in and, and watch it from 11 to 2 on that Saturday, the 19th. The 7-on-7 seven seven, uh, is going to – they're going to open the gates at about uh, 9 o'clock. So that's a Sunday morning for that 7-on-7. Seven seven. So if you like to go watch these things, maybe you know somebody that's going to be at one of these camps and you want to go cheer them on, there you go. More information on Huskers.com. Love that they're doing this. 
And, you know, this was really kind of something then that Mike Riley's staff started with these Friday night light camps that opened up the stadium in June to let folks come in and watch this. I think it's a good move. I think anytime you kind of pull the curtain back and show folks what's going on in your program is a good sign. Now, none of the current players are going to be out there working out. You may see some of them on the sidelines, but uh, at least you go out and kind of see what, what maybe future talents come into Lincoln. Yeah, and it's another good way to get kids on campus. For, you know, to to see your, you know, to see your uh, your campus, see your field. You know, get get. I would I say in quotations coaching. You know, to be a part mm-hmm. of that, I think is is really important, and you can get a little sense of what it would be like to be a Husker, and if that would pique your interest or not. So, absolutely, I do think that. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a huge benefit, and you know, to open it up for the fans. I mean. <laughs> That's never a bad thing because, you know, Husker fans are going to show up. There could be a chess match on the end, <laughs> on the 50-yard line. People would go watch it. So I think that, that you know, fans are going to be excited and, you know, they're going to go, uh, you know, enjoy some you – know, see some top-caliber athletes working out at Memorial Stadium. Yeah. Concession stands will not be open for these. You can bring in some snacks and non-alcoholic beverages, but you can't just lug a cooler inside to sit down and watch these. They will cut you off on that. Uh, so, yeah, more information at Huskers.com if you want to go make arrangements to go out to one of these Friday night ones or the Saturday or the Sunday ones coming up here in the next couple of weeks. We're delighted to be joined now by Parker Gabriel, the Lincoln Journal star, who I believe had a little R- R&R during the month of May. Is that correct? Yeah, I was. Well, it's funny, uh, Greg, because I was – uh, wedding planning. So in ter- I was on vacation, but in terms of like actual R and R, I think it was it was probably uh, less of that. But but I was out of town and not working. So in that regard, yeah, yeah it was okay. nice. Okay. Well, I hope you got a little bit of your battery recharged because Parker, the, the no college doubt. sports world changed. The the sports world, the college sports world changed yesterday, didn't it? I mean, for the first time in fourteen months. These coaches are back at it again, right? I mean, this is going to get crazy. Yeah, it really is. I mean, there's now that the train is rolling, uh, it's not going to stop here for the next four weeks. You know, it's uh, it's pretty. You know, it started right away yesterday for for Nebraska. They had, um, you know, at least one workout on campus uh, with Jake Applegate from Lincoln Southeast, and it turned into a scholarship offer. So, uh, they're they've got kids on campus working out, trying to get offers. They've got kids coming through on unofficial visits. They're hosting eight official visitors uh, this weekend and probably more than 20 over the course of the month of June. And, you know, oh, by the way, the coaching staff, some of them are uh, in Florida at a mega camp. Some of them are in Georgia at another camp. And they're going to be in Missouri on Friday at another camp. So, yeah, there's uh, there's a little bit going on on the recruiting front this month. Well, and Nebraska's got just the two verbals for the 2022 class. Would you anticipate some activity in that front in the next two, three weeks? Yeah, I, w- I would think so. You know, it's going to be interesting, though, because the same for the same reason that the faucet now has just turned open, you know, wide open on June 1st, I also wonder if there are a lot of kids out there. It will depend on individual situation. But I'm not sure if kids are going to rush to commit after taking one visit. I mean, one thing to keep in mind is that all of these kids have been waiting for more than a year to be able to get in front of coaching staffs. And I just from the number of recruits I've, I've talked to um, over the past couple of months in, the, in anticipation of June getting here, 
almost all of them have really busy schedules for the month. So, like, I, I don't know if you got eight official visitors in to Lincoln this weekend. I don't know if on Monday morning you're going to open up the Journal Star and be reading about three kids that committed because almost all of them also have other stuff on their schedule through the month. Now, you know, maybe uh, somebody comes to campus, they really love it, um, they see everything they need to see, and they pull the trigger right away. Or maybe a kid like Jake Applegate, who's a, you know, Lincoln kid, uh, standout at Southeast. He was at Minnesota at a camp today. Maybe he sees a few places over the next 10 days and, and makes a decision by the middle of the month or something like that. All that's very possible. I just also wonder if the real rush of commitments comes at the end of June or into July once kids have had these four weeks to take in so much of the recruiting experience that they've missed for the past year plus. But I don't, we've never had a situation like this, so I don't know if anybody knows exactly when that, that rush of commits is going gonna, is gonna to arrive. Well, fans get nervous when, when the list isn't long, and I think they're not yeah. overly nervous yet because they know what the situation's been like, and you, you, you use the perfect term, the faucet's been turned on just yesterday. But if you get to the end of the month and there isn't much movement, I think fans may get a little bit nervous. I want to go to the quarterback spot yet, Parker. What do we know? Are there, visit, are there quarterback visitors on their way to Lincoln here in the coming weeks? Yeah, yeah, there are. So, um Yeah, so Richard Torres, the quarterback from San Antonio that Nebraska offered earlier this year, is on his official visit uh, this coming weekend. So he'll get to campus on Friday uh, from from San Antonio. He's really interesting. He's 6'6 and 210 pounds. High school coach uh, told me that, that, you know, he's still growing. And so they think by the time he's, you know, filled out and gets in a college weight program that he's going to be 6'7 and, you know, 235 or 240. You're talking about a really big quarterback. Um, he's got a huge arm. He can run a little bit. You know, he's not he's not probably the kind of runner that Adrian Martinez is, um, but he's got some elusiveness to him, and, and he can uh, move when he needs to. And then on June 18th, we just confirmed this this afternoon, uh, on June 18th, Nebraska's going to have A.J. Bianco uh, on an official visit as well. He's from Honolulu. So imagine all of the restrictions that, kids have had in terms of not being able to have contact with coaches over the last year plus, and then multiply that by being in Hawaii and facing the travel restrictions to and from the islands alone, if you wanted to go to the mainland. So uh, he's really, you know, playing a little bit of catch up in his recruitment. Uh, He's going to be on campus that weekend of the 18th. Those are the two guys, uh, you know, that we know of quarterback wise. Uh, they're going to be on campus uh, on official visits this month. MJ Morris, who is here for the spring game, uh, is announcing his commitment tomorrow. Uh, Nebraska is one of his finalists. It sounds like he probably is headed elsewhere, and that will open the door, I think, for Torres and Bianco to visit over the next uh, 15 days. Gotcha. Again, visiting with Parker Gabriel of the Lincoln Journal Star. You can read his work online at Journal Star. Dot com. He's all over Husker football and's had some great information for everybody the last couple of days as this month of June is just getting cranked up, going to be really, really busy. Also, I think they're welcoming some some current members of the team this week to campus, aren't they? They put out some video today. It looked like some, some true freshmen are there now who weren't here in the spring for spring ball, finished up their high school years, and looks like a lot of them are landing here in town. Is that, how, is that what your understanding is? 
Yeah, that's right. So they've got, I think, uh, if my math is right, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they had eight uh, or maybe nine freshmen that are still getting to campus that were not early enrollees. I think the number uh, is eight. And so six of them uh, are already on campus, and then the last two uh, will be in in the next couple of weeks. It's really a matter of, you know, when high schools around the country uh, get out and are done for the year. One of the one of the two guys who's not on campus yet is Makai Bayer, the linebacker from New Jersey, and I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. And his for him, it's just simply a matter of his high school graduation isn't until uh, later this month. He's coming off of a a knee injury that he suffered in in November that that cost him half of his senior season of high school. But for him, it's just a matter of you know not being done with school until a little bit later in June and. Jalen Weaver, the defensive lineman from California, I think is in the same boat on that front. But the rest of Nebraska's uh, freshman class that wasn't early enrollees just uh, arrived to town over the past few days. Parker, can you th- those those wide receivers were certainly pretty much ballyhooed when they committed and then signed with Nebraska. Can you envision any of those three guys getting in the mix for playing time in the fall, or is there just too much depth ahead of them when they get here? Yeah, you know what, Greg? It's it's amazing that you ask that question and that I wonder about that situation at this point. Um, it just goes to show you sort of the extent to which Nebraska's remade its wide receiver room over the course of the past year. You know, it's it, a, a few months ago, I think you would have wondered maybe they need one or two or all three of those guys to be in position to play right away. I don't know if that's the case now. They're certainly going to have the opportunity Proven, and they've got some interesting skill sets coming in. Latrell Neville is, you know, six three and two hundred plus pounds. Uh, Sean Hardy's six three, and you know, he, he kind of went under the radar a little bit, but he played really well at a good competitive level of football in Georgia. Uh, and then Kamonte Grimes might be the most intriguing of the three, just because uh, he's a big kid. He's six two and two fifteen or two twenty. And he can really do a lot of different things. You know, he could he could play in the slot. He could play outside. Um, he played defense in high school in Florida. Um, he, yeah, he's going to play receiver in Lincoln. But, yeah, it's a really intriguing group. You know, they, they think they're seven or eight deep rotation-wise at receiver. So those guys are going to have to catch on fast to, you know, push for extensive playing time this fall. But I think, you know, if you ask the coaching staff, you ask Matt Lubick, that probably – you know, falls under being a good problem to have if, if those guys are pushing your top, you know, seven or eight in the rotation. Yep, no doubt. Uh, all right, last thing for you, uh, surprised at all on Jockey Ant putting out his announcement that he's on scholarship, or was that expected? No, I, you know, I'm not really surprised. It was, it was pretty clear that it wasn't just a, you know, spring storyline as April went along. Uh, he's really come in and impressed, and, and he's a guy, you know, it's, it's funny, I was using this uh, example earlier this week, They've found walk-ons in a lot of different ways, which is a funny thing to say. But, you know, Luke Reimer, and the linebacker, and Oliver Martin, the wide receiver, and Jock Yant, the running back, all first arrived at Nebraska as walk-ons, and they all did it in very different ways. Reimer was just a under-recruited kid who went to North Star, and Oliver Martin was a Division One transfer who we haven't heard officially that he's on scholarship yet, but – you know, he's going to start at wide receiver probably. So uh, he's, he's probably on the fast track to earning one. And Jock Yant would have been a scholarship player somewhere, um, but he qualified really late. And, and it was, you know, teams didn't want to use a scholarship on him until they knew he could get into school. So 
you know, Nebraska's found these walk-on guys in, in different ways. And Jock Yant is just sort of another example of that uh, diligence on that front and looking for any way to add players that you think can make an impact to your program. Um, and, and so he's done it. He's earned it. Uh, I don't, he, he's going to be in the mix somehow, some way this fall, whether that's, you know, as a primary type guy or a rotation piece, uh, you know, only time will tell, but he's put himself in, in position to be, you know, part of the puzzle in the backfield for Ryan Held. Very good. Parker, we appreciate it. Great work the last couple of days. It's been keeping you busy, and I think you're going to be busy most of the month, and we, we appreciate you coming on and giving us some updates. Yeah, it should be an exciting few weeks. Thanks for having me on. You know, we, we, we get to know so many of these guys on this baseball team because we spend so much time with them on road trips and we're in hotels and see him in the lobby and all that thing. And, and I think both for you and I, one of our favorite guys is Robbie Packer when he played and wrapped it up in 2019. Yeah, just a really, really a, a good dude and fun guy to be around. And, you know, one of those guys we've been able to, to stay in touch with, um, you know, after his playing career is over and happy that he has some time for us now as he joins us on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, Mr. Robbie Palkert. How you doing, my friend? Good, Ben. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, hey, always fun to come in and talk about uh, playoff baseball. It's kind of you what it's bet. all about. No question about it. Well, you've been a part of a few of these in your career. What's what's this week like? You you go through the grind of a season, uh, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. It all kind of culminates with this week, a lot of pressure. What's this week like as a player um, getting ready for the regionals? There's a lot of excitement, and you go into practice, and everybody's got some extra zip. Everybody has, you know, the balls are flying a little bit further. Balls are coming out of people's hands a little bit better. It's just weather in that storm. You can get really excited. You can get very, you know, tense even just from being out there and enjoying it. And, you know, it's really easy to, to walk into a regional and, you know, you say, hey, okay, we got four teams here. I'm looking at the top team. All right, we got to beat them. And it's really important to, to never look past that first game as, you know, in our experience, uh, you know, we've lost that game a couple of times. So, Really important just to stay laser focused, but also, hey man, you're in the playoffs. You gotta, you gotta enjoy it. You gotta have fun, and at the same time, you gotta keep that focus. So, kind of a, it's a tough week, but it's a fun week. Let's go back to 2017 when we when we we're out to Corvallis, and obviously, then we got put in with the number one national seed in Oregon State. We didn't play them, but what was that experience like afterwards? The team goes two and out, never something you want to do in any tournament, but what for the, for those that came back or those that were just kind of tasting regionals for the first time, what did you learn um, about that experience that, that maybe helped you later on in your career? I mean, it pisses you off. <laughs> it, uh, it's really upsetting, and, it, and it's one of those things where you're given a great opportunity, right? You're everybody's talking you up and, and Hey, we got this opportunity. We can beat the number one team. And then you run into a team like Yale and Holy cross and, you know, things don't go as well as planned. And it, it teaches you a lot of different things. It teaches you, like we just talked about staying focused, but it also kind of humbles you a little bit. And I know we went into that regional thinking that we were, uh, you know, all that in a bag of chips and, and it hurt us and it came down pretty hard. And, it was tough because, you know, the, the year prior, you know, we were ended up down in Clemson and we didn't even think we would be in the tournament that year. So kind of a tale of two different stories where, hey, we're going down to Clemson. We're, you know, showing up as a team that, that probably wasn't even supposed to be in the tournament. And then the following year, hey, you know, being in a much better situation, winning the Big Ten, 
and then, you know, feeling like he got slighted a little bit and put into a tough regional. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it just comes about winning baseball games. And it doesn't matter who was on the other side of the of the diamond. And, you know, there's not as big of a, a skill gap as you think. And every team can beat anybody, and we learned that the hard way. That being said, it seemed it seemed like the team in, in 19, the last time that we were in a regional down in Oklahoma City, had a different edge about them. And I think, I, I mean, to me, just kind of sitting back and talking with you, you got you guys afterwards, that you I mean you you were you were prepared for the fight that time around, and it obviously showed in that first game with UConn. That was that was the first regional win in a long time. What did that? just kind of do for the nerves showing up the ballpark the next night against Oklahoma State, but getting that first big one out of the way against a really good UConn team? Well, it just showed that we could do it. I mean, I think if anything, we all believed it. It's one thing to believe. It's another thing to actually get out and do. Uh, we used to have a saying, you know, they don't just roll the balls out on the field. you got to play. And so, if anything, it just showed us that, hey, we were capable of winning that baseball game, and we were capable of winning a regional, right? Obviously, we didn't get the full job done, but it just showed, and, and I think for some of the younger guys on the team, too, it showed that, hey, this is something that's possible, right? It shows up as a dream when you're younger, you're in you know, junior high, high school, middle school, whatever it may be, and you're looking at you know, College World Series teams, and you say, well, where do these, you know, how, how does this happen? Where does this go? How do I get to that point? And you're closer than you think. And it's important to kind of understand that. And then also, hey, you do have to understand what needs to be done as far as your preparation goes. And then also, hey, kicking it into an extra gear even sometimes when your back's against the wall or, hey, you're not feeling your best one day. Hey, you only got three days to play, so you may as well make the most of it. I've never been a part or never had a feeling like I had leaving the ballpark against Oklahoma State. And, I mean, you guys had – I think most of you I, I heard had maybe around three hours of sleep that night after what happened against the Cowboys and just a really tough circumstance to have to come back the next day. But you've had some time to kind of digest and grow up and live your life since then. But when you think back to that night at the Bricktown against Oklahoma State, what's what's the first thing that comes to your mind? <laughs> it was terrible. I mean, it was it, it was terrible in, in the sense that, again, it didn't work out how we wanted it to. And it felt like we, it felt like we left some things on the table. I mean, it just you know, we had such a, a good opportunity, and you never want to waste an opportunity like that to go two and zero into start a regional, then to you know, hey, just one win away from making it to the next round. Looking back on it, there were just it feels like there were so many little things that we could have done. Whether it was pushing across another run, whether it was making a better pitch here, better pitch there. I mean, everybody points to the big home run that was hit in the eighth or ninth, whichever inning it was. But there were so many things leading up to that, and, and it just shows that it's a full baseball game, right? I mean, it's, you know, hey, it's uh, it's making a pitch in the fourth inning that could have left a guy off base. It's, you know, just setting yourself up differently. But to look at it back on it, it it's those little things. And then it's also, you know, hey, you got to do whatever it takes. And, and it's important to understand that. And I think we did do that. And there's, sometimes you just get beat. Um, you know, Oklahoma State was an excellent team, and everybody knew that coming in. And, you know, that just shows that if we're going to talk that highly about them, I mean, we were right there with them, you know. A couple pitches here or there, a couple of batted balls here or there, that, that game's completely different. So it just shows, and it, and it, it looks back, or looking back on it, it, your confidence still has to be high. And we had that. It just, I'm not going to say we were thrown into a tough situation. We just, 
we're unable to bounce back like we should have against UConn again. Another, like I said, another good team, but you know there are no scrub teams in the NCAA tournament. That's just not how it is. No matter what conference you're from, no matter what part of the country you're from, no matter what your record is, I mean, all those teams are in there for a reason. So there's really no time to rest, but it really was important for us to to take a day and essentially get over that loss, and we should have done it faster. And unfortunately, we just were unable to do it, and it, it came crumbling down. It was uh, Looking back on it, I'm more embarrassed by the UConn game than, than anything. It was just – that was a game that we should have shown up a little bit better, and we didn't. And, it, and it's frustrating looking back on it still. Unfortunately for you, Robbie, you didn't get a chance to right that wrong. Believe it or not, there's still a handful of guys on this team, a good number of them, that have a chance to right that wrong and had a really good season mm-hmm. this year. You played with, with Joey and – and Luke for a long time, and, and had a year with Schwelly and Gunner and you know Shea, the some of your guys on the, on the mound. When you look at some of the guys this year, I mean, if they if they're listening right now, what what would you tell them now that you don't have the opportunity to lace up your spikes and put on a jersey, but they do? A guy that that doesn't have that opportunity, what would you tell them this week about you know uh, the word we keep saying keep saying in this interview is opportunity they have this weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they know it, and then I think that's kind of the important part of this team right now, and. Just looking from an outsider, I don't, you know, hey, I don't know everything, and I don't, quite honestly, I don't know exactly what's going on with this team. They're a heck of a ball club, but they understand what it takes, it seems like, and they understand that, you know, hey, it does take every single person on the team. You look at a guy like, for example, I, just a quick shout-out to a guy like Gunner, who probably yeah. hasn't gotten as much play time as he wanted to this year, but you look at the times he's given in to pinch hit, he's making the most of it, right, and he ends up winning a ball game for the club couple weeks back right it's just little things like that where you, know, you look at some of those guys that they've been in the situation before and so it's important to to understand that and like I said I think they all understand the opportunity I think the the coaching staff has going to done a good job of getting them ready for it they got to make the most of it you know and and the important thing that I think that I learned was and I've said it before in this already is the difference between the top level teams and we'll call it team number 64 in this tournament, is not as big as everybody thinks. And so I think that was one of the most valuable things I learned in in the years past was even looking at a team like Michigan in 2019 that, that made it to the final game. Mm-hmm. And that's a team that we, I think, beat three out of five games during the year. Just little things like that. And, and I think, again, I think the guys on the team know that, and I, and I hope they understand that, and I hope they make the most of it, man, because – you run out of those opportunities and you run out of the the thrill, if you will, of, of playing playoff baseball. Just got to stay calm and just got to play the game like, like every other game, but with a little bit more focus. You know, I, there's no reason to put extra pressure on yourself, but it's going to happen. You're going to have extra pressure. You're going to put pressure on yourself to, to make the best pitch, to make the, you know, the best swing, the best play in the field. It's normal. You just got to weather that storm. Yeah, Robbie, I was just about to ask you, I mean, you, you guys have played – hundreds and hundreds of if not thousands of baseball games in your career but what's it feel like when you're going into pitching a regional compared to any other game how does it take does it take long does it to have it feel like any other game does it feel any different or what's what's kind of the feeling you know when when you're in a foreign ballpark against a team you've never faced before and you know that that whole thing just kind of you know unfolds in front of your eyes how long does it take to get comfortable in a regional setting you know it for me, it didn't take as long. I, you know, I, coming from a guy who came out of the bullpen, it's a little bit different. Um, 
when you're in the bullpen, you kind of learn to, you know, over the years, you, you just learn to pitch, right? I mean, it's, you never know when your name's going to get called. So why get caught up in the theatrics of a stadium or why get caught up in the ups and downs of the game? You know exactly what's going to happen from the fact that nothing is promised. And, and that doesn't make any sense when you say it out loud, but for all the relievers on the team, they, they understand that, man. They could be going in the third inning. They could be going into the 12th inning. It, it really doesn't matter. So for a reliever, you, you acclimate quickly. I think for everybody else, it's, it's a little bit, bit different of a curve um, just because, you know, you're there a couple days early. You get a couple days to practice. There's a different buzz around the field. You know, everybody's going to react differently. I think it's important to just continue to stay on your own schedule. I mean, these guys have played in different ballparks throughout the year, probably less so this year than in years past, um, just given all the all the updates and COVID and everything going on. But you got to acclimate yourself quickly, and, and it can take time, and, and and some people figure it out right away, and, and some people need to take a couple extra breaths and, and really to focus themselves in. You know, as a, as a freshman, when I pitched in my first regional game, I think we were losing at the time to, I think it was Oklahoma state actually funny enough. Um, I, I mean, I couldn't feel my legs. I was, I was a young kid. I was, you know, playing at Clemson against a, a top team in the country. And I, I was just honestly happy to be there. Um, was young and naive. And then as you progress throughout your career, I mean, the second time I pitched was against, I think it was Yale in the Corvallis regional. And at that point I was pissed off. You know, we we were losing. Nobody wanted to be there losing. Everybody wanted to be the winners. And and then obviously, and capping off my career in in 2019 against UConn, I was also pissed off. You know, I was I was out for for vengeance because we hadn't won a regional game at that point. So it just depends. I, you know, I think the the big the big takeaway is you got to acclimate yourself early because if you wait till the to the game, you're in trouble. It just it's a different atmosphere out there. Robbie, one thing I also want to ask you about, we, and we talk about a lot on the air, but I don't think people, you know, have the perspective or the insight or, or you know, maybe take us as seriously when we say we talk about the grind of a season. And I, I don't know that there's a better example to talk about it this time of the year than you. And let's go back to 2019. You pitched in the semis um, against Michigan on that on that night game. And I think you threw close to 100 pitches, way more than you threw all year. And then you had a quick turnaround, you know, into the regionals the next week. What what type of toll does the end of the season take, you know, for those teams that do go on runs in conference tournaments and have to have do things that they they haven't been asked to do, whether that be pitch on three straight days or if you're a starter like Matt Waldron, you know, pitch against Minnesota, turn around, pitch again uh, uh, in the championship game for a couple innings against mm-hmm. Ohio State, then pitch again, you know, against Oklahoma State. What as a pitcher? particularly what what type of toll does that feel on your arm did you feel any lingering effects from the week before against Michigan or were you actually fresh no I mean you're you're I think you're fresh and I think it extends beyond pitchers I mean the hitters too I mean you're playing games upon games in a row you're playing in a tournament back to back obviously this year is different with no big 10 tournament but you know I think from a pitching standpoint you got to have heightened care on your arm and you got to have a heightened care on your body, right? Continuing to get your lifting in, your running in, get your treatment, whatever it takes. You know, for me, the fatigue portion wasn't really there because, you know, out of the bullpen, a lot of it is adrenaline. And 
a lot of it is adrenaline, but then also falling back on your preparation. And so it gets cliche or it, it sounds really cliche and gets talked about a lot about prep, like preparation and preparing for games and preparing your body. And that's really what you have to fall back on though. Um, so as a pitcher, I mean, you, you got to go in with the mindset of one, I don't know what's going to happen Two, you know, Hey, let's make my own luck. Right. Because yeah, you might pitch a couple days in a row or, Hey, you might have three starts in eight days like Matt did or whatever the heck he had. I mean, he was crazy and he went out there and got it done. Um, and that's all you can ask for. And I think from a hitting standpoint too, it, it is still, again, th- those guys are out there, you know, swinging four or five times a game. They're out in the field, you know, Hey, some of those catchers are, are working their guts off and, um, you know, you, you got to fall back on your preparation, but you also, again, I can't say enough, just the heightened amount of focus that you need to have and getting stuff done and taking care of your body. It, it's, it's super important. And at the end of the day, man, it, it's, you got to go out there and want to win, you know, you do whatever it takes. And I think this team has what it takes and, and they're a special group and they got some special leaders on that team. And Hey, you got to rely on that sometimes. We'll see what happens. Going to come here as soon as we know it. Uh, well, just about 48 hours away, a little bit more, um, uh, mm-hmm. maybe right on the money here now with the Huskers in Northeastern on Friday night in Fayetteville. Robbie Palkert, former Husker pitcher with us. Robbie, great to chat with you, man. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes reminiscing with us. And, uh, Let's do it again soon, man. Appreciate it. Good talking to you, Ben. Tell Sharpie I said hello. His voice will sound familiar. And that ball's gone. Bye-bye baseball. His knowledge is endless. He looked so fast. It was unbelievable. He's our Major League Baseball insider. Just ate a brownie, so I'm ready to go. Lane Grindle. Here's Lane! Well, we flipped the calendar to another month, early June... Major League Baseball teams probably start analyzing kind of where they are, don't they? It's about the time you start thinking about whether you're going to be a buyer or seller here in a month or so. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you get, you know, 25% of the way in, which we're, we're well beyond that. We're now a third of the way in, and I think you start to take pretty good inventory of where you're at as a team, and, and you start to figure these things out. Some teams have known for a while whether they were going to sell or whether they were going to be in on it, right? Like the Rockies have known that uh, they they got to have summer where they're going to probably move Trevor Story at the deadline. No matter what they say, uh, the responsible thing for them to do is going to be to move Trevor Story as this thing gets closer to uh, the deadline. Now, I think they'll play it out and they'll bring it up until the deadline because they're going to try to, you know, use their leverage and, and play teams against each other. The Twins had high expectations, but I think they probably right now know that at some point they're going to start moving pieces around. So, um, you know, there's some teams that are stuck in the middle right now trying to figure out exactly who they are, but there's a handful of teams that probably know right now that they're going to sell. And so um, we're going to start hearing more rumors here. Give it about two more weeks, and you're going to start hearing teams linked to certain players, and the market will start to heat up a little bit. Might not see a lot of movement until we get closer to the the all-star break and thereafter, but I think you're going to start seeing teams linked to certain guys in trade conversations here over the next couple of weeks. All right. I've heard the term second opening day a couple times here recently. In fact, the Reds were supposed to have theirs today. They got rained out. What's what's going on with this? Don't let, let the folks know what this is yeah. all about. Well, everybody's going to 100% capacity now, and so it's really the you know, opening day is such a huge deal in Major League Baseball. I mean, I think anybody that is a baseball fan understands how big of a deal opening day is and how big of a deal it is for the players to be on an opening day roster and how hard it is to get an opening day ticket, regardless of what market you're in. 
I don't know if you totally understand it until you start going to opening day every day or every year rather. And, and you see the pageantry of it. You see the tradition around it. You see how important it is to people. It's really such a cool day. And we really didn't get to have that last year. And we really didn't get to have that this year. We did have fans on opening day. It was certainly a, a day that we celebrated and it felt great, but it, it was not the traditional opening day. The, the stadium wasn't packed. It didn't have some of those, those same familiarities to it. And so now that teams are going to 100% capacity, when they get to that point, they're basically calling it a reopening day. The Brewers were really the first to kind of do this, uh, to, to come out with, hey, we're going to have a second opening day, and ours is going to be on June 25th when the Brewers go to 100% capacity. And so the, the plan is to sell that game out. We've moved the game into the afternoon, uh, so it has that traditional opening day feel. You're going to see bunting, and you're going to see – uh, and I don't mean bunting like you know, <laughs> the third baseline. I mean bunting uh, around the stadium, and you're going to see the teams on the line for introductions and, and all that good stuff. And, you know, what's going to be kind of nice about it is opening day is a huge tradition in Milwaukee, and tailgating is a big part of that tradition. They tailgate here like no other. But now they're going to have really good weather to do it in, which is kind of nice too because they do it in snow some years up here on opening day. So they're going to get some of that summertime opening day vibe, which I think a lot of fans are going to enjoy. Pretty cool. Again, busy with our Major League Baseball insider, Lane Grindle, here on Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. You just wrapped up a brief series with the Detroit Tigers, so you had a chance to see Miguel Cabrera. Where does he rank uh, among the greats in the last 20 years of baseball? He's got to be near the top, isn't he? Oh, for sure. I I think what's weird is that he had that stretch in the early part of the last decade, 2010, 2011, 2012. And as a Royals fan and and as me being a Royals fan, Greg, we can certainly commiserate that every time he came to the plate in a Royals game, you just held your breath (laughs) because it felt like he was going to do something special. It's been a while since he's been that guy, and so we kind of tend to forget. I think it's the same thing to a degree with Albert Pujols where uh, it's been a while since he was the guy he was in St. Louis, so we tend to forget. And then you go back and pull up baseball reference sometime and pull up these guys' careers and look at their numbers, and you will just be absolutely aghast at how great they were. And you kind of forget. I mean, you, you realize that they're all-time greats. You realize that they're Hall of Famers. But then you realize, like, they put up some of the best numbers we've ever seen in this game for stretches of time. I mean, Miguel Cabrera is a triple crown winner. Um, he, he's, he's one of the most natural hitters uh, of our generation and um you know he's not the same guy now he had big double in in last night's game against the brewers uh, so he can still hit a fastball but that upper 90s velocity can give him some trouble some of the good breaking balls can give him trouble from time to time now and so he's you know he's a guy that's not gonna put up those numbers that he put up in 2013 and and years like that but he certainly to me goes down as one of the greatest hitters of our generation uh, Pujols is obviously in that conversation, and then a guy that's in his prime right now, right now and Mike Trout's going to definitely be in that conversation. But uh, he's really good. He's a surefire Hall of Famer. He's about 118, I think, hits away from 3,000. He's got Ooh. a couple years left on his deal, so he's going to get to 3,000 uh, before it's all said and done. I don't know if he'll get there this year or not, but he will get to 3,000 before it's all said and done. So he's going to check off all the milestones in terms of what you look for when you talk about the all-time greats in the game. And it looks like he's a guy that plays the game with joy. I mean, you always see a smile on Miggy's face. i got to imagine he's pretty popular among the other players. 
Yeah, I think everybody, for the most part, likes Miguel Cabrera. I think you're right. He was last night having fun with every brewer that got on base at first. <laughs> you know, he had Willie Adamas smacking at him because those two have played against each other, you know, in the American League for years. And Willie is standing there, and and and, and Miguel comes up behind him and kind of touches him on the shoulder. And Willie turns around, kind of smacks at him, and they're playfully laughing and having a good time. I mean, I think he's uh, certainly a, a guy that everybody understands how good he is and where he stands in terms of all-time greats, and so they have this appreciation and respect for him. But I also think that he, they genuinely enjoy playing around him. All right, uh, I know you got an off day today. What's coming up in the next week for the crew? Uh, the Brewers open up a four-game series with the Diamondbacks this weekend, and um, that'll be an interesting series. The Diamondbacks have certainly been struggling, Greg. Uh, they just have not had a very good year. Uh, they had lost 13 in a row at one point until they snapped that streak last year. So got that going. And then uh, back to Cincinnati for a quick three-gamer. And then that reopening day we were talking about is on the horizon as well. So um, there, there, there's there's a schedule right now in the in the month of June that looks pretty favorable toward the Brewers. But you never you never assume anything in baseball. you you got to go out there and play well. And you got to stay healthy. And so many factors come into you know, when you play a team and how you're playing at the same time. So Brewers have to take care of their own business, but they do have a schedule that on paper looks fairly favorable to go on a little bit of a run and have a good month. Very good. Well, Ben and I are headed to uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas for a regional. You visited Bomb Stadium during your Husker career, didn't you? I did uh, a couple of times. Uh, we made a couple of different trips down to Bomb, and, and Fayetteville is a, a great college town, and and that's one of the great stadiums in college baseball, and it's one of the great fan bases in college baseball. So that's going to be fun for you guys. I can't wait. Um, you know, should you get to the Saturday night game, um, I can't wait for young Ben's face. Uh, you got to take a picture <laughs> of it for me because that place, that place is pretty special, and that's going to be a big game. And I, I, hey, I am so happy for Will Bolt and that program. Um, you know how important Nebraska baseball has been. To me over the years and, and what it means to me in my career and uh, Will's, Will's a friend and I'm so proud of him and what he's done with this program and I'm happy for this program and for the fans as well. They they deserve this and I hope that they can go make a run and go right at those hogs this weekend and try to take the game right to them. Alright, well enjoy your, your day off and the rest of the week. We'll talk next week. Alright, thanks Greg. It's time to buy or sell. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Brett Whitty. Sold. And Austin Orman. Well, great. You said it's Tim and I steering the ship tomorrow, but before we get to that, we're giving Brett an audition to see if he can take Ooh. Tim's place for tomorrow. Might Wonderful. Be the Brett Whitty uh, Show. Welcome, Brett. Uh, so, should I, does that mean I should purposely tank this? No, the people want to hear you. So okay. you got to throw insults. You got to compliment yourself. Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Use big words. Yep. <laughs> Talk about foreign films <laughs> at quote, least twice. Quote random foreign movies that we don't know about. <laughs> See, what's that one he? What's that one he threw at us again last night, Ben? Something Somebody's like. Is it like good night, mommy? Good night, you know, mommy. Something like mommy or mommy. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Guy hasn't seen Moneyball, but he wants us to go see that. Yeah. No thanks. Wait, didn't he? Didn't he see Moneyball? He did. He, he did. Checked. Finally, <laughs> he's checked it off after like three years of us chiding him for it. That was it. He got tired of us pounding <laughs> on him. 
like water on rock. All right, let's get into the new answers we have. First one is a Greg College Baseball question from a few weeks ago. Now, Greg, you asked us, buy or sell that the winner of the Big Ten Mm -hmm. Conference in Baseball has at least 30 wins. The answer, A, buy your Nebraska Cornhuskers. Champions, they reached 31 wins. So Josh and I were the only two to get that right. We're all Whoa, I thought I bought that. No, you didn't. Oh, come on. I was rooting for that the whole time. The document says sell. Sorry. Yeah. We were haters. We can check the tape. (laughs) I'm glad I got that one wrong, and I'm glad it ended the way it did. I could have, man, I could have swore I bought that. Mm -hmm. Idiot. (laughs) Not a great start. Yeah, that's one I don't mind getting wrong there. All right, next up, uh, Tim had an MLB question also from May 12th. Buy or sell that the St. Louis Cardinals would remain in first place in the National League Central and have at least a two-game lead on the second-place team by the end of May. That ended up being a sell. They actually trailed the Cubs by just half a game at the end of May. Uh, Myself and Ben sold that, and we're the only two that were correct. Mm. Sorry, Timmy. Didn't believe in your Cardinals. That's a double out for him, isn't it? He's such yeah, a big Cardinals that's, that's fan. That's a tough one. That's a Gets tough Gets it one wrong, time. and they're not in first. Yep. <laughs> tough deal. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. All right. We Come have- on, Austin. I need a win. Come on. Give me a win here. Well, I won't promise anything, but we'll see what we can do here with question number three, answer number three. Rather, a Ben College Baseball question from a couple weeks ago. Ben asked us, buy or sell that Nebraska is paired with the highest national seed of <laughs> any other Big Ten team on Selection Monday. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> that you did. Oh, no. They, Dame they Lillard did. from downtown. <laughs> You, you might not even have crossed half court with that one. Uh, so the answer is a buy. Of course, Nebraska draws Arkansas, the number one overall national seed. We went five for six. And everyone bought that. Everyone <laughs> bought it, and everyone was right. Everyone uh, I said five out of the six happy. of us, Mr. Witty. <laughs> Brett didn't buy it. Brett was on Tim Island on this one. Oh, not a place Why was I being be. a hater that day? Not a lot of Man. sustenance on that island. <laughs> I, that is amazing. I forgot that you'd asked that question. I didn't. Wow. <laughs> How funny is that? How funny is that? Mm. On the one hand, very. On the other, not very. Yeah. All right. Next up, a more recent question from Greg for a Husker baseball question. Buy or sell that the Huskers would play in a regional that is in the central time zone. And that's an easy buy. Fayetteville is in the central time zone. Greg, Ben, Josh, and myself all bought it and got it right. Austin and Tim incorrect. Hmm. Don't love it. The question was asked when Nebraska was in the uh, projected to be in the Spokane Regional Dome. That's right. my defense. And yeah, none of those projections matter. Just shove them with number one and call it good. I, I think that there was <laughs> some momentum on Sunday that Nebraska might go to Tucson. But then they ended up sending Oklahoma State on a plane to fly out there instead of just busing an hour and a half over to Fayetteville. So yeah. it almost became a the flip of that almost happened. I don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did for the sake of the question, and it worked out for you because you got it right. So, All right, another NCAA baseball question from Ben from last week. Buy or sell that a team earns a one seed that isn't a host site team? The answer A, buy. The Monarchs mm-hmm. of Old Dominion earn the one seed in Columbia. Guys, we were only one of six on this one. I don't think we're going to like who is the only Ooh. one to get it right. Tim. Tim. Oh Tim, the only one. He's the greatest of all time. Just ask him. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
Well, good for Timmy, I guess. Good for Timmy. Yeah, he, he definitely knew <laughs> that one was coming. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of Tim, we get his weekly NHL question here. Buy or sell that. The three game sixes being played on that Wednesday night last week. Uh, out of those three, at least two would be forced into a game seven. Uh, that ended up being a sell. There was one, but just only one. The Golden Knights and the Wild. Greg, Ben, Josh, and Austin all sold that. Myself and Tim got it wrong. Ooh. Yeah, never Tim just Tim, a kiss of death right now. Yeah, <laughs> Brett, you, you, you got to go you're opposite just, Tim. You're sunk. You're absolutely sunk. <laughs> it will sway my, my decisions this week. <laughs> <laughs> From the, the, the Tim Weekly hockey question to the Brett Weekly soccer question in something called the Champions League. Brett, you asked us, buy or sell that Manchester City and Chelsea combine for at least three goals and Christian Pulisic plays at least 60 minutes in that game. The answer, a sell. Only one goal scored and Pulisic only played 31 minutes, so just over half his total. Our esteemed hosts of this program, Greg and Ben, the only two correct. Greg, I don't know why people doubt our soccer knowledge. Come like, on, get I'm wearing on the my Pulisic jersey right now as this segment's playing, and you know, I don't What's know why I don't ask Christian Pulisic. <laughs> That's how you say get it? On the train. Absolute savants of the game. Yeah, get on the train. Man, that was disappointing to not see him start. <laughs> he didn't start, but they did win. He did get the win, so he got he gets a champions medal. He's getting uh he's getting a tattoo I saw yesterday of the Champions League trophy looks like. So, yeah. We'll we'll wrap up the answers from this week. Uh, Greg had a golf question by or sell that Phil Mickelson would make the cut this week at the Charles Schwab challenge. That's a sell. He didn't. He did not make the cut. Uh, There's a story Greg there. Ben, myself. I'll let you tell the story, yeah. but uh Greg, Ben, uh, myself, and Tim all got that right. So thank you for that, Josh and Austin. Sorry. Oh, uh, Phil lefty. Just didn't want it enough. Well, the story is, is that he, he was playing his last hole on Friday, and he was on the cut line, and then he bogeyed his last hole, and he fell out of the, the weekend. So <laughs> his one shot was the difference of that being a buy or sell. So was there a call made by somebody on this staff to say throw the hole? That's the real question. <laughs> <laughs> well, wasn't Phil sitting at like four, three or four over after the yeah. first day, and he played his way back into it or yep. something? Yep, and it was it, the oh, course was playing really hard too. So he he went like two under par on his second round, but he was needed to be three under par, and he was at one point until the last hole. So that, that was a great line. That was a great line. I'm going to play the role of Tim here. <laughs> what a great question! What a great! What an absolute! Wait, you are so question. good. You are the best. Was well, the Tim's the best. We're all fighting for a second. Yeah. Well, we'll see who is the best for this week's answers. And uh, actually, we'll start at the top. Ben, congrats. You take home wow. the, the weekly trophy. You went six of eight this week, extending Let's go, baby. your hold on first place. Let's Thank go. You. So you're six of eight this week and 89 of 141 on the season. You added yeah, one, one point to your lead over Greg, who went five out of eight this week and now sits at 85 of 141. So what's my lead on three? It's three on him? You're up four. Up four, four. now? Man, almost, almost over. Yeah. Josh was in third place. He went four of eight this week. He is at 79 of 141, correct, this season. And then we had a three-way tie for fourth mm. with three out of eight between uh, myself, Brett, and Tim. 
Pick it up, boys. Got to pick it up. End of the season's coming. Just, I think we're about the trade deadline. I think I'm selling at this point. Yeah, Austin's <laughs> playing for the number yeah, one pick. We're tanking at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we ready to launch? Let's do it, Greg. Lead us off. All right, college baseball question. Buy or sell that a Big Ten team makes the Super Regionals? Ben gets the answer first. Hmm... Well, this could be foreshadowing for the next question too, because one of the teams could 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 take home both questions. So, consider that. Um, I'm gonna sell it, but I definitely think it could happen. Okay. Um, I, I think Maryland has the best chance. By the way, right? Uh, Terps are playing well. But go Big Red, sure. Give me give me the Cornhuskers. They advance out of Fayetteville. Maybe not, but a Big Ten team will, if nothing else. So I'll, I'll, I'll be different. I'll buy it. Yeah, I'm going to buy that one, too. Uh, the last time I bet against the Huskers, it, it hurt me. So I learned my lesson. It pains me to sell this, but I've got to sell it. Got to sell it or going to sell it? Going to sell it. All right. Another college baseball question. This stems from a couple of this. This has happened a bunch, both with March Madness and in college baseball. But mm-hmm. buy or sell that one of the last four teams in the field wins a regional. Those four teams are Alabama, Michigan, UC Santa Barbara, and North Carolina. I guess I have to lead off now, don't I? I yeah. play under the new rules. Um, well, as long as it's not the tar holes. I suppose I can read this. Um, yeah. Just uh, total disdain, don't you? Just total disdain for them. Yep. Nope. We'll never appreciate that institution in any way, shape, or form. Um, so, yeah, I will I will sell it and double sell on North Carolina. Uh, yeah, I'll sell that one as well. I don't see any of those four teams getting out of there. I'm with you. I'd like to pull for him. I just don't see any of these four making a run. Michigan's got the best chance, but I just don't think that they've been consistent enough the last couple of weeks to do it, so I'm selling. I think Santa Barbara's playing really well right now. Um, Who do they have again? They're in the – Are they in Tucson? No, they're not. Uh, let's see. Santa Barbara. They're, where are they? Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking. They're, yeah, they are in Tucson. Yeah. That's why I thought they were in Tucson. Yeah. Um, man, it's a really offensive ballpark there, Tucson. I, I think it's going to happen, Arizona. but I'm going to sell it because i got to hedge my bet from the first question. Because I'm, take, I'm taking Michigan off the table, and I don't think Alabama's going to win it. So that leaves me two chances, and I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell it. Mm-hmm. For those listening at home, that is what I'll we in the business it. refer to as gameplay. I could see Bama doing it. They're in that Shreveport one, they, but they play a pretty hot NC State team day one. But I could see Bama doing it. But I'm kind of pissed Alabama see. got in the field, to be honest. Are you? So I hope they lose. Okay. All right. That poor little institution just needed a break. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> yeah. get any breaks. Nothing goes Alabama's way. They went 3-6 and six in SEC right. series and got yep. in. Yep. 
<sighs> Sigh. Poor Crimson Tide. All right, we'll go back to Husker baseball for my question. Buy or sell that Nebraska baseball has a positive run differential after regional play? Just within the region? Within the just regional play only. Yeah. Positive so, run differential at the end. All right, so no, no attack it on to the regular season. Correct. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Brett gets up. to go first. Oh, I, yeah, I'm going first, and I'll buy that. I'll buy the, the Husker score and lots of runs before they run into the, the brick wall that will be Arkansas. Hmm. That's a good question. I'm just in a selling mood tonight. I'm selling. <laughs> so win close and lose big if that's how it's going to happen, maybe? Mm-hmm. Man. I'm just trying to figure out how these games are going to go, and I, you just don't. You don't have any idea. You would have asked me last year That's or two, 2019 how that Nebraska-UConn game would have went, and I would have, you know, both teams weren't hitting it well, and UConn scored five. The, UConn <laughs> had, I think, 39 hits in the two games against the Huskers last year yeah. or in 2019, yeah. uh, and that was a team that hit like two, 250 on the year. <laughs> Um, so for that reason, I'm going to sell it. I just have no idea how these games are going to go. None whatsoever. All right. I am going to – well, you guys probably did the smart thing and did the opposite of what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy it. I think Huskers maybe win a game or two big and lose a game or two close. So. And that's the thing. If Nebraska yep. loses to either Northeastern or Arkansas – and they continue to fight through a regional. They could play a lot of games that they'll have to win. So right. that right. could, you know, that could boost that sure. differential up. That it could. So I'm a buy, and we turn it over to Brett. All right, uh, we go to the NBA now. Buy or sell that LeBron James has at least 25 points, five rebounds, and five assists, and the Suns beat the so. Lakers by at least 10 points in Game Six of their first round matchup on Thursday. Nothing yeah. about LeBron walking off the floor with eight minutes remaining in the wow. fourth quarter. Come on. What a cry. What I'm, okay. Like well, I think I'm officially done. I think I'm officially done yeah. with LeBron. I'm with you. I, I was such you. a big LeBron fan for the longest time, and I, I'm just I'm just out. I hope the Suns blitz him by 40. Remember, we had that topic, Austin, that <laughs> came up in a Beyond the Headlines about what athlete right now gets under your skin, and I said yeah. LeBron. And there's another case where he just walks off. I mean, can you see MJ doing Can you see any of the greats? Absolutely terrible God. teammate. What a little crybaby, poor sport. And for those that are saying, oh, you're just a LeBron here, I've been like president of LeBron fan club for like 14 years, and I'm canceling my subscription. I'm off. Yeah. yeah. We can roll back the tape on that. Uh, we can find clips if people doubt that. So, uh, Greg, you were a sell, I believe oh, I heard. Yeah. It's an and question. I sell it. <laughs> I hope LeBron has five points, one rebound, and one <laughs> assist, and they lose by 100. So, I'm selling. <laughs> um, I-, I could see the Suns winning. I don't think. Little baby Bron Bron gets to 25, 5, and 5, though, so I will sell it. Are any of us LeBron fans here on on this segment? I mean, as as a a basketball player, yes. Everything else, not so much. Yeah. I'm not necessarily a fan, but I admire the talent. You'd you'd be kind of like cutting yourself short if you didn't. Realize oh, the you have to. In front oh, of there, you. yeah. I don't think anybody questions that. He's a remarkable athlete, a remarkable player. But it's the just, optics last night was yeah. that was poor. Yeah. 
he has to reel and for him especially he seems like a very self-aware guy so yep you would think that he would know that the optics of that are, are pretty bad i mean i think we just have especially to give him a lot of credit for fighting him. through his his blindness and his broken shoulder that he suffered early in the playoffs <laughs> yeah, that, we're still gutting it out getting and getting through these playoffs <laughs> he's still seeing three rims <laughs> right aim for the center one well i I'm gonna be I'm gonna be different than all of you guys. I'm gonna have to buy it. Uh, and my main point, I guess, would be that Anthony Davis is probably not gonna play, so LeBron James is gonna have to carry a little bit of the load. And uh, we saw what that looks like uh, last night, and it looks like a blowout. So that's a buy <laughs> for me. All right, we flip it over to Josh's question from the Belmont buy or sell. Josh asks us that essential quality or Rombauer wins the Belmont Stakes. They opened as the top two favorites. Josh in full on sell mode, all caps. I quote: mm. "Give me hot rod, Charlie!" Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! End quote. Jeez. I have not looked at the field very much. I'm doing that right now. There's only eight horses in the field. Um, if someone's ever that confident, fade that right away. God, those are two good horses and essential quality. One that Irby finished third at the Preakness. Ron Bauer was great at the Preakness. I do like Hot Rod Charlie, who did not run at the Preakness and might be a little fresher. For essential quality, third race in, in what, five weeks, that's mm-hmm. tough to do. Are we getting so Andy I, on this week or not? Boys? I've not been told. I don't know. We will be working Andy on it Wagner. for tomorrow. All right. Need the Andy breakdown. Um, I'm with Josh. I think Hot Rod Charlie wins it. I'm going to sell this. Uh, so I can be accused of, of not playing gamesmanship. Give me the favorites. I was going to choose <laughs> Rock Your World, but Craig um, sold it. So give me the favorites. Give me Ron Bauer. Rumbar. There's nothing wrong with gameplay. I didn't mean for it to come off as an accusation. No, I'm just. I'm not. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna be that guy. You know, <laughs> I, I'm gonna earn it like everybody else. That's the attitude. Um, yeah, I'll line up with you, Ben. I'll, I'll take the favorites. Give them to me. Yep, I'm gonna buy as well. I want to hear the announcers saying Rumbar and the baritone voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, next up, we go to Tim, who surprisingly gives us an NBA question this week. Buy or sell that either Jason Kidd or Chauncey Billups will be named the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Hmm. I'll answer first on this one. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell that one. I think kids, that the Celtics with the net, go with right? a proven name. No, Kidd is an assistant with the Lakers. Okay, but he's been a head coach he's before. He's moved around. He went to the Bucks for a little bit. Yep. Right. Ah, there's going to be other names. I, I, I sell that. Yeah, I'm taking the field. Sorry, Timbo. Not taking your bait. Timmy. <laughs> Timmy to you. Big time, so, Timmy so The Celtics Sir strike Timothy me as a Charles franchise that's going to go with a proven name. Right. Um, yeah, no, don't love those two candidates. Uh, it's a pretty easy sell for me, and that gets us back to Greg. All right, time for me to tell you to buckle up put that phone down. A reminder for the NDOT Highway Safety Office. We're going... Softball World Series, which begins tomorrow in Oklahoma City. Buy or sell that the winner of the World Series is either Oklahoma or UCLA. You could have stopped after Oklahoma. I'm buying the crap out of this question. (laughs) Their offensive numbers are just stupid. (laughs) Buying it. Big time. Uh, Yeah. Didn't they have one girl who has like 30 homers in 28 games or something just absolutely ridiculous like that? They're, They're averaging like 14 runs a game or something stupid. Yep. Insane. Um... 
Probably the first and last time we'll ever say this in my life, but boomer sooner. Oh, but also congrats to my cousin McKenna going to UCLA in the fall. So sure, I'll pull for that yeah. too. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to buy that one as well. Oklahoma. Yeah. All right, I'll <laughs> buy it. <laughs> wow, you were you actually thinking about it? <laughs> this this is a, this should be this sh- this is the weekly question where we steal the ball at half court and all we got to dribble down and make the layup, boys. That's all we got to do. <laughs> Hit the corner square, get back on defense. That's all you got to do. Upsets can happen. All right, here we go. Major League Baseball question: Buy or sell that the combined run differential from the entire American League Central Division? is still in the negatives by the end of buy-sell. So right now, there's only one team in the division with positive. <laughs> the rest are negative. And I think right now it's like minus 18 or minus 19 run differential in the uh, in the, in the division. Yeah, it's probably more than that. You've got the White Sox are plus 79. It was 96 to 79, I think. Everybody else is below yeah. it. Uh, yeah, that is, I suppose I answered so the whole- first. So the whole division's got to get above? Yeah, they are just no, like total, like the cumulative. So, so the other much, 3 need to make up like 19 yeah. runs. The White Sox have to stay good, the other 4 teams have to stop sucking quite so hard. Yeah, pretty much. Essentially. Particularly um, Detroit. Yes, particularly Detroit. Um <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. I will buy the negative run differential. Yep, I'm going to buy that one as well. It's definitely not going to turn around for the Central. Bye. What are you going to do, Ben? I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking how this plays out in my head. Because I think three. T- there's no way the Twins are this garbage, right? I mean, there's they're no starting way. to come back to where they're supposed to be a little bit, but not necessarily saying I mean, Detroit is terrible. Absolutely terrible. The Royals were already bad for a while, so you got to think that they're going to stay at least 500 or maybe slightly better. Can they make up 19? That seems like a lot. It's about five runs per team. I'm going to sell it, but I think it ends up being pretty close. All right. On to the NBA for my second question of the week. Buy or sell that at least one former Duke basketball player advances to the NBA Finals? And I will actually answer my own question first and buy it. Bold. For those curious, the most likely options are Seth Curry of the 76ers, Kyrie Irving of the Nets, and Luke Kennard of the L.A. Clippers. All right. Uh, then I'll buy that one because of Kyrie, I guess. Would be well, the only you, you like your chances of either the Sixers or the Nets getting there. And so since they've got both those teams covered, really the only the only worry is the Bucks. If the Bucks could bump them off, but man, those two teams look like they're really good. I'll buy it. Yeah, I'm buying. They got to get through both of them to get there. Just for reference, All everyone buys. bought my question and answered the same as me. So oh, hopefully that doesn't worry you too much. But <laughs> I mean, I feel slightly less confident than I did a few seconds ago. <laughs> Well, now we we wrap up with another NBA question. Uh, buy or sell that Giannis Antetokounmpo is the leading scorer amongst both teams, or a Nets player scores at least 35 points in Game One of the second round matchup between the Nets and Bucks on Saturday. I like that question. It's a good question. That is a good one. Very good. 
Uh, hey, I'm gonna. Thanks, guys. I'm gonna buy that. Yeah, I'm gonna buy it too. I think. I think either one of those things could happen pretty easily. I'm gonna. I'm gonna buy it three because the Ooh. Nets have no center, so Giannis oh, is gonna go off. I think one of my buddies is a Bucks fan, and Giannis has had like. 38, 39, and 46 against the Nets so far this year, I think. So. Yep. You're not a Nicholas Claxton guy? Uh, I, I can be a Nicholas Claxton guy and not believe that he's enough to slow down Giannis <laughs> that much. Or Luawo Cabarro? <laughs> Come on. Bruce Brown, the small ball center. Hey, Bruce Brown was a baller for me in the fantasy playoffs this year in basketball. Well, I'm so not I like the shark. Game. Yeah, all right, Brett, we'll all wrap things up down. with uh, with a sell, and really, my only logic between but behind that is just to be different. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough, because I think it's a fifty fifty question. So, all right, very good. Okay, can't wait to see how we do on those coming up here next week.